The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third down and eight. Michigan has held Iowa to 277 yards of offense. Here's a screen pass to Weissman is wide open. And Weissman will take it in. Touchdown Iowa. The first time that Michigan has broken down defensively in the passing game. I think that was a heck of an effort and a, and a touchdown for Mark Weissman. But at this point, I don't think they're going to spend any time reviewing it. And the extra point good. So with 2-12 remaining, Michigan on top, 42-17. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's road loss at Michigan. He previews the upcoming home game season finale against Nebraska, and he talks Talks Big Ten expansion. We also have our weekly Big Ten conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include regulars Marv Cook and Brent Balbinat, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of our reporters' notebook shows this week. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with announcers Dave Pash and Brian Greasy. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Welcome back, Marv Cook, for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss to Michigan, previews the Nebraska game, and talks Big Ten. So, Marv, here we are coming into the last game of the season, which continues to go from bad to worse for the Hawkeyes. It's the first five-game losing streak in the Big Ten since 1999, the first overall regular season losing record since 2000. Iowa's not going to be bowl eligible, regardless of what happens in the Nebraska game. Saturday at Michigan, that game looked like such a mismatch, it was almost unfair. Um, yeah, it was two different teams playing, that's for sure. Definitely at this point in the season, two different teams going in different directions. And, um, you know, the, the biggest frustration for me was just how we put ourselves out of position a lot of times, whether it was, you know, breaking coverages or misalignments, things like that, that just made it too easy for Michigan to make plays. You could also see Saturday that the talent level of the Michigan team, that Hoke has really, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but overall, they're really loaded again with playing makers on both sides of the ball and at least in that game and really over the last five it looks like I was almost bereft of playmakers on either side of the ball. Well and I think Michigan you know Hope came in and, and I know they've worked extremely hard to get the Michigan man the label back in place kind of their edge in recruiting and, and what they're playing to and uh, you know trying to get back to the tradition that Michigan has and, and I think they've been able to do that. I, I've, I've you know Jerry Montgomery former Iowa guy that played at Iowa is coaching there now and I know Jerry pretty well and just can't know the kind of man he is and the way he goes about recruiting and and I'm assuming it's you got a staff of guys just like that that are out you know spreading the word and and uh, you know creating the buzz and getting guys that they want to come on their campus to play football for them. 
Have you ever seen a game where, this is almost a textbook game if you wanted to show a video, okay, here's one team with speed and here's another team without. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, execution, I mean, that was the biggest thing. I mean, if you go from an X and O standpoint, just to watch how Michigan was able to dial up plays they wanted and get guys open when they wanted. And, and you know, the, yeah, the unique thing is you mentioned you got a guy like Denard Robinson who can't throw the football, but, you know, Brady Hoke and his offensive staff developed a package for Denard Robinson as a running back. It's a pretty darn effective one. And, um, you know, just kind of utilize in the strengths that they have, playing to their strengths and, and letting guys make plays. Iowa's defense has now given up an average of 31.8 points and 482.6 yards in its last five weeks. That's nearly 2,500 yards in five games, and admittedly they're nicked up a bit, but that was a defense through the first seven games of the season that looked like it was improving nearly every week. It showed flashes of speed, were able to contain most other teams, and then it was like in the Penn State game, somebody flipped a switch and it, it doesn't even remotely look like the same defense that took the field earlier in the year. I think kind of what happens is, is you know, and I think you see flashes of it where Central Michigan finds kind of some weaknesses in what we're doing, and then and they had some success there. And, and then good coaches, they're going to steal from other coaches, you know, and they're going to see what worked, and they're going to keep coming at those things and, and trying to find those exposed spots. And, and I think that's what you see is, you know, the really talented teams that have the uh, the, the weapons and the tools to exercise and to, and to execute those types of plays are going to come back to that stuff. They're going to come back and, and, and take advantage of what Iowa may be suspect in and, and ultimately the, the talented teams that do have the ability to execute, you know, are going to expose your weaknesses, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. I mean, and then we self-inflict some stuff, I and mean, we got guys coming out of the middle of the field, busting coverages, and you just can't do those types of things if you want to be successful in the Big Ten. Iowa's pass rush Saturday was literally non-existent, no sacks, and for the first time in, in, in as long as many of us can remember, not a single tackle for loss in that game, which seems like it would be pretty hard to do. And then you couple that with you just talked about it, the multiple uh, instances of busted coverage where it looked like. Look like a first game of the year where, where the uh, cornerbacks and the linebackers were, and the safeties weren't even remotely in the same playbook in terms of handing off coverage. Communication is the key, and hand signals or whatever they're doing, how they're communicating. But you know, like I said, and we just there were some some glaring mistakes that you know, the, to Michigan's credit, was able to take advantage of. They had the guy in the right spot and made the play. And you know, it, it's 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 tough enough to win in the Big Ten, let alone when you make those kind of mistakes. I mean, you basically almost give yourself no chance. My biggest concern with you know twenty. 2,500 yards in five games. Give, I mean, that's that's a truckload. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. You know, it, it's you, we've got to see that. I mean, you got one game to, to lock this thing down and, and try to make some improvement and, and play with some pride. But you know, I, I'm not saying that, that you know guys play with heart and passion, but you, you got to play with the extra heartbeat too. And, and and I'm not sure that we're seeing that right now with this this core 11. I know guys that are laying on the line, but you know, like James Morris gives everything he's got, but he's playing injured. But I mean, this is a, this is a physical game and 2,500 yards. In five five games, that's, that's not good. Even as trying to be an objective observer there, but even as an Iowa fan, at some point you had to kind of sit back and say, wow, that's a pretty impressive offense running those plays six touchdowns on their first six possessions, and they consistently made big plays all day, which is what traditionally Iowa's defense prides itself on not allowing as big plays. Robinson had a 40-yard run, but Gardner completed passes of 51, 37, 31, 29, and 20 yards against that Iowa defense. That's amazing. And one was a third and seven. Team, you know, I mean, you can't you can't let those get out of the gate and and, and execute and make those. So that's. Not a good thing, John. Iowa's defense continues to struggle against dual-threat quarterbacks. The thing that frustrates me the most is they made this guy look like he was Tom Brady, you know, after his sixth Pro Bowl season. I mean, it, 
he's good. You know, he's talented. But I mean, I'm telling you what, that was way too easy. I mean, it was just, it, it should not be that easy. And, and, and it, it starts with pressure. If we can't create pressure, you know, and he can sit back in the pocket, wait that extra half second. It's tough to cover good athletes for, you know, over four seconds. So, you know, it all works together. But um, six touchdowns and six possessions. I mean, uh, you know, someone drew it up right. That's for sure. Iowa's offense netted 309 yards, 17 points, which compared to the last few weeks didn't seem too bad. It's still not very good for a Big Ten offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you saw signs with Fedorowicz making some plays and some of these other guys making plays. And, you know, a lot of times, I hate to, I hate to say this, but I've I played on a lot of games when the outcome was decided where I was able to, to make a lot of plays after the fact. And, and the defense is getting a little bit more of a prevent mode than what they're starting the game with. And so it's able, you're able to make some plays offensively. You know, we, we just not not enough, not soon enough, and not enough. I mean, this is how it all comes down to play out. And um, everybody needs to seriously take this week's a good week to do it. Thanksgiving. They need to be thankful they're playing for the University of Iowa. They need to be thankful they're going to wear the black and gold. They need to be thankful they can play on this stadium. You know, our senior, senior day this week, we have a lot to be playing for. And they need to, you know, hopefully check everything and check their inventory and make sure that they're going to come out with a great effort this Friday. Iowa had the same problems that they've had in, in the last few weeks here in this losing streak. Offensively, a third down conversion rate, 6 of 14 last Saturday again, and plus 3 3 and outs. It's just like uh, like we said last week, it's like the movie Groundhog Day. Same uh, same problems, different game. And, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and, you know, I think James Vandenberg takes a ton of heat, a ton of criticism, and I've probably been somewhat hard on him. I, you know, I go back and I look and see what he's done, and, you know, the way he played against Ohio State is his first start, and then, you know, the way he played against Pitt last year when they just kind of turned it loose. I mean, he can play. He can make the throws. And right now, I'm starting to think that he just doesn't have the horses around him that are going to enable him to be an effective quarterback. Or he just flat out doesn't fit in this scheme. Well, that's... I think, honestly, and you're going to give me a couple minutes here, we're a square peg team. We are designed to run the football, run zone, inside zone, outside zone, and pound on you. Okay? It's, it's the way Wisconsin's designed. And I think the MO is correct in the Big Ten. You're going to play in three or four sloppy games. The weather's not going to be very good. And ultimately, you got to line up and get after it. And right now, we just don't have those guys. We don't have the Robert Galleries. We don't have the, the Steinbox, the guys that can just line up and pound on you and lean on you and push you back four yards every single time and open up our passing game. And that's, I think, what's missing more than anything else is that we just don't have the ability to line up and, and effectively gain three or four yards anytime we hand it off. And we're looking at second 12s and we're still trying to be that square peg team and we don't have square peg guys, in my opinion. I tweeted during the game that I was sure you were very happy last Saturday when 11 games in, the tight ends finally got involved in, in a significant way. Fedorowicz uh, had a career high with eight catches. Uh, Craig Coble played saw his first action as a starter and got his first TD pass. That's the plus side. But the negative is the wide wideouts completely disappeared. It didn't even catch their first pass until the fourth quarter. And Keenan Davis, who had caught at least one pass in 25 games, wasn't even thrown at. So good news on the tight ends. But don't you need balance in your passing game? You know, one of the things I heard on the, some of the talk calling shows is that, you know, well, we got this guy coming back. We got this guy coming back. We got this guy coming back. And it's like, to me, that's not that's not a good, that's not a reason to be excited. You need to know guys are going to progress. They're going to get better. They're going to be a better player this year than they were the prior year. And I'm not sure we saw 
saw that development with Martin Manley. I'm not sure we saw that development with Thorowitz. You know, and I, and I think you know Van, a lot of people say the same about Vandenberg, but it's tough on the QB. I mean, it's tough on the QB loading a new system. It's tough on everybody, but ultimately then trying to fit all the pieces together. And if you don't have the running game, if you don't have you know a, a, a go-to guy as a receiver, I mean, it's almost impossible to be an effective quarterback when you don't have that that's you know that solid of a running game or a great receiver to throw the ball to. And I think that's you know he's been limited to that to some extent. But you know these guys got to take ownership and they need to self-evaluate. And, and you know they've got a great chance going against Nebraska this week. And, and Nebraska, this is a huge game for them. Big Ten uh, implications, and it's a chance to you know to show the, the Hawkeye Nation on a national level what what they're capable of doing. And so I mean I, I I'm expecting a spirited effort, but you know these guys got to start playing better. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. They're not playing at a championship. They're not playing at a uh, a top tier Big Ten team level right now uh, as players. Fedorowicz made an interesting comment post game where he said, "I've been telling James for several weeks to look for me. I'll I'll catch the ball and I'll do something with it." Do you have a sense of why the tight ends haven't been that involved all season? Does it look like Vandenberg hasn't been going to them, or does it look more like the, they just haven't been involved in the game plans? I'll tell you, a lot of times it's how you practice. Saturdays are a culmination of what you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in practice. And, and if he's feeling comfortable, if the quarterback's feeling comfortable banging that ball on you, running digs, running corners, you know, running the seams or running the stick route or whatever it is, he's going to throw that on Saturday. I mean, he's going to throw what he's comfortable with and what they've worked on. And, and so it tells me that, you know, either practices aren't going the way they need to go or they're not catching the ball. And so the quarterback's going to go to who he can feel comfortable with. You know, obviously, you know, the Titans got a little bit more involved in the game this week, and which is good, but it's obviously too little too late in my opinion, especially when, you know, Michigan scoring the first six possessions, but you know, I, I think it comes down to practice and being where the quarterback wants you to be there, when you want to be there, and then once he throws it to you, you're catching it every single time. That's going to gain you confidence, and that's going to have him, when things are starting to get tight for him, he's coming down to you when that opportunity arises. The one bright spot, we've talked about this again the last two or three weeks, this season overall really is the development of special teams. Iowa had struggled for three or four years in special teams play. It's beginning to look significantly better, and especially with the emergence of Jordan Cotton in kickoff returns, Iowa averaged nearly 25 yards a kick return last week. Got a lot of them. Uh, I played in the Rose Bowl. I played a lot. I was on the kickoff return team against UCLA in 19, whatever year that was. And, and, and that's, you know, I'm being sarcastic, and I apologize. <laughs> you know, we, we talk, special teams are huge. I mean, it's, and, the, and the field position is is gigantic part of the game. And obviously, I think Jordan Cotton's done a phenomenal job this year, and, and, he, and he needs to continue to improve. And that we need to make that dynamic and we need to make people you know nervous when they punt the ball or kick the ball to us as far as what we can do with it and i think we are moving in the right direction in that regard after the big 10 update marv previews the nebraska game and he offers his insight on rebooting the iowa program you don't want to miss that segment I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback have more time in the pocket than that last play. That must have been 10, 11 seconds. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. 
The big news in the Big Ten this week is expansion. The conference will now have 14 teams beginning in the 2014-15 season with the addition of Maryland and Rutgers. Reports persist that Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney is still in the hunt for two more schools to round out the Big Ten with 16 teams, two eight-team divisions. Among the primary motivations for the latest move is the opportunity it presents for the Big Ten Network in the New York, New Jersey markets, as well as the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. metro area. Estimates are that the additional television revenue for each Big Ten team will be at least $10 million annually. The expansion will also bring about a revisiting of the divisions alignment, and Delaney mentioned that it's more likely than not that geography will play a greater role than it did the first time around when the Legends and Leaders divisions were created. In actual 2012 football season news, Ohio State clinched the outright Leaders division title with its win over Wisconsin and Madison last week, although the Badgers have already locked in the division slot in the conference title game. Both Nebraska and Michigan remain in the hunt for the Legends division title and berth in the conference title game. The Cornhuskers hold the tiebreaker, so either a Nebraska win over Iowa or a Wolverines loss at Ohio State will lock that down for the team from Lincoln. Ohio State's win also puts the Buckeyes in position to go undefeated with a victory this weekend over Michigan. They are one of only two unbeaten teams left in the FBS. That victory also placed Urban Meyer in some rare company. Only seven first-year coaches in Big Ten history have won 10 or more games, and Meyer joins current coaches Brett Bielma and Brady Hoke in winning 11 contests in their first year in the conference. Wisconsin running back Monty Ball tied the NCAA record for most career touchdowns last week versus Ohio State, and Ball needs just one more to set the all-time record at 79. Big Ten stats in the NCAA Top 30 of interest in the Iowa-Nebraska game. Cornhuskers quarterback Taylor Martinez is 26th in total offense. He's also 28th in pass efficiency. His teammate running back Amir Abdullah is 20th in all-purpose yards, and he's also 8th in punt return average. Place kicker Brett Maher from Nebraska is 27th in scoring per game. Maher is also 25th in field goals per game, and he trails Iowa's Mike Meyer, who is 17th in that category. Iowa's Anthony Hitchens continues to rank highly in tackles per game. In spite of missing last week, he's 5th at 11.4. In terms of team stats, Nebraska's 23rd in scoring offense, 20th in total offense, 8th in rushing offense. The Cornhuskers are 19th in total defense and 2nd in pass defense. Iowa continues to lead the conference in turnover margin at plus 12. Nebraska and Michigan continue to be ranked in each of the national polls. The Cornhuskers between 14th and 17th, the Wolverines either 19th or 20th. Two more conference teams can become bowl eligible with victories this weekend. Michigan State by beating Minnesota and Purdue with a win over in-state rival Indiana. Trophy games this week include Iowa versus Nebraska for the Heroes Trophy, Purdue and Indiana for the Old Oaken Bucket, and Northwestern hosts Illinois for the Land of Lincoln Trophy. The big three games this week in conference play all intra-divisional. Iowa hosting Nebraska, Wisconsin traveling to Penn State, and Ohio State hosts arch-rival Michigan. Great story. Compelling and rich.
Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Next, Marv Cook previews Nebraska, talks Big Ten expansion, and gives his prescription for rebuilding Iowa's program. Nebraska comes to Kinnick Stadium for the first time since 1999, and as you mentioned a little bit ago, a win for them secures the Legends Division slot in the Big Ten title game. It's Iowa's second straight game against a ranked opponent, second annual Heroes game with the newest Big Ten trophy, the Heroes trophy at stake, and the Cornhuskers' only loss in the Big Ten was a bad one. It was at Ohio State, but this is a pretty talented Nebraska team coming in here Saturday. It really is. I mean, the quarterback is obviously can run. He's really changed his mechanics, throwing mechanics. He's done a lot better job this year in the passing game. And then their receiving court, the receiving core could, could be the most dynamic and athletic group I've seen. I mean, these guys are big and athletic and linear. Uh, can run and do some good things when they get their hands on the ball. So, uh, And then Nebraska's obviously been very, very efficient with their running game is a good compliment. So huge test for our offense. You know, one of the things we're going to have to do is keep Martinez in the pocket, not let him buy extra time, and, uh, you know, make sure he's uncomfortable sitting there and not getting a clear vision of the field. You know, if we do that, we got a good chance. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not unbeatable. I mean, that's, you know, it's not the Nebraska of 1992 or whatever. It's, I mean, this is a different Nebraska team that's got some holes, you know, that his, you know, teams like Northwestern taken to the wire and other teams have, have given them great games. So it's not like that they're not a team that, that Iowa can get after and get a victory with. Yeah, they've shown some defensive struggles on, in the, in road games, particularly this year. It's interesting, kind of a mirror image thing happening here. This game, Iowa comes in with a five game losing streak. Nebraska comes in with a five game winning streak. It's senior day at Iowa. We talk about this every year. Again, if you could just speak for a couple of moments about the impact of that being your last game as a Hawkeye when you go onto the field and, and how that might affect your play, either positively or negatively. Well, I think it's I think it's a positive. I think, especially as a senior, you understand that this is your last. Uh, and that's your senior year is a lot of, you have a last. Your last first two-a-day, your last two-a-day. I mean, it's your last, you know, Big Ten game. I mean, it. it it's and the reality of it strikes in on that day when you come out there and you see your parents or your siblings sitting there on the field waiting for you and you know this is the last time you're going to take the field here in Kinnick Stadium and for 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 a majority of these guys this will be the last time they put football pads on and get to play this game and so they get three hours and that's it to get after it and showcase what they can do fortunately for them it's against Nebraska you know and they can do something legendary they can do something that people remember for the rest of their lives if they go out and play well and play inspired and get a victory so I mean there's no better of an opportunity from that standpoint you know senior day is always an emotional time it's always in my opinion been you know by far more positive than negative things tied to it and um this season obviously has been very very disappointing but ultimately the hawks can look at this as their bowl game and and uh get after it and see how good they are 
Iowa's only positive stat, really, defensively, offensively, or special teams, still remains the turnover margin at plus 12. They lead the Big Ten. Tied for fourth in the FBS in fewest turnovers lost. I mean, this Iowa team's recovered 11 fumbles through the season, and that's the most since 2004. Is that just being opportunistic or a little bit of luck involved there? I mean, combination, ball bounce here, there. You know, I mean, it's a combination of that. And I think we do, you know, we've got athletic guys in the linebacker core, James Morris and, and Hitchens and, and some those guys are, you know, are athletic enough to get to the football when it is on the ground. But part of the bad sign is, is they get more opportunities. They're on the field longer, you know. I mean, I mean that's where statistics can be misleading to some extent. I mean, I hate to say that, but you know, sometimes that's how it all works out. Kirk was asked, been a couple of stories this week about, okay, how do you approach this game now that the bowl is out of the question? Uh, do you go in here and let some of your younger players get some playing time in an effort to sort of begin to build for the future, or do you play as Kirk always says, we put the us, the people out there give us the best chance to win. His answer at his press conference on Tuesday was that we're going to play the people that give us the best chance to win. That means the people we've been playing and James is our quarterback. That That's pretty much an exact quote. Talk about the pluses and minuses of that approach. I know if you're a senior and, and you're a starter, I assume you don't ever want to come off the field. Or if you're a starter at any in any class. No, if, you, if you're up 20 and you've had a hard-fought victory and you feel good about it, you want to feel I did. What if you're down? Because it's almost like a reward. It's almost like a reward <laughs> yeah. to get off. Yeah. The down part, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would want to keep fighting and keep competing and keep getting after it, you know. But, but yeah, when you're up, I mean, you, you kind of want to be off the field. I mean, it's, it was, I was I was kind of viewed as a as a reward. And then ultimately, I mean, honestly, 105 guys are on this roster, whatever the number is, and they're practicing the same hours in the summer. They're practicing the same two days, the same, you know, I mean, that whole thing. And and they deserve a chance to play. You know, they've worked. You know, as hard as as the starter sometimes, and and that may be their only window where they get a chance to play a couple two snaps and say, hey, I played you know against Michigan or you know whoever. And uh, so ultimately, those are opportunities you want to make sure that kids get a chance to do it. Plus, the younger kids, then they can build on that. You know, they can know, hey, I played against Nebraska and I, I lined up five snaps. I remember my my redshirt freshman year, the two tight ends got nicked up for a play, and I had to go in and try to block a guy named Pepper Johnson, a linebacker. And I mean, I was scared to death. I hate to admit it, but I was freaking out. Could barely think straight when they called the play, but I actually went in there and tried to hit him. And but I was able to build on that for the next year, and then I felt more confident the next year when I actually got to go out and play against him again. Is this really a rivalry game yet for the fans? For Iowa fans, I would look at it as I mean, it's a big thing, and you know, it's a border, uh, you know, border game. And don't you have to make it competitive yes, though to really yeah. become that, a rivalry? That, that, that's exactly right. I mean, rivalry isn't you know you got to have some sort of history and some sort of you know competitive nature to the game, and and uh, I'm not sure we're there yet. Big news this week, no pun intended. Big Ten expansion all the way out now to the Atlantic Ocean with the addition of Rutgers in Maryland. What's your reaction to that? You know, I. One, I'm thank goodness it, from a number standpoint. I mean, the whole six and six division. I mean, you got a one and six chance of getting to play in a Big Ten championship, getting to go to BCS bowl game, especially with you know Wisconsin side with two two teams ineligible. It's one of four teams you get to play in the Big Ten championship. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. So I mean, it's it'll be good to have more teams. You know, it'd be nice to see eight and eight. You know, and, and really see two solid divisions, and then you could get a really good. You know, Big Ten championship game, which would lead to a BCS game, and and uh, have a lot of fun from that standpoint. But you know, bigger is not always better. You know, you want to make sure it's quality and it's a right fit for, for all those involved. I mean, I, I do see the demographics, the market. You know, that Rutgers opens up, that Maryland opens up, and so I can see that the dilemma becomes, you know, the travel for these other programs. You know, for baseball and for you know some of the other sports, as far as trying to get to the East Coast and, and face these teams in the conference uh, gets a little bit more dicey uh, trying to work logistics 
takes all that stuff out. So uh, it's got to be a good fit. Uh, you know, I think you know Rutgers is obviously uh, a good program as well, as is Maryland. They're not top tier programs, but um, you know we'll see how it all plays out. I'll give Delaney credit for this. He certainly kept the wraps on this. You didn't hear anything about this literally until over the weekend, and reports are that he's looking to add two more teams with the you know crown jewel being Texas. That would get you then to your 16 teams in your 218 divisions. Texas is is almost like a Notre Dame. It's like a their own little business entity from that standpoint. That would be a that would be a great coup if they could get it, but uh you know, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I mean, I, I know Colorado just went to the Pac-12, or what are they calling it, the Pac-10. I gotta read. I gotta go back and do a little, <laughs> a little studying on this stuff. But, but ultimately, I think an eight and eight, I think two eight and eight divisions would be a good good thing for the Big Ten. Barring a major upset, that means Nebraska losing to Iowa and then Michigan defeating Ohio State in Columbus, it will set up a rematch between Wisconsin and Nebraska in the Big Ten title game. Nebraska beat the Badgers in Lincoln 30-27, to obviously a very tight contest. Any thoughts about how that game could play out? Well, Wisconsin dominated the first half. In fact, I mean, I, I turned it off and was shocked when I heard Nebraska actually won the game. And it sounded like it was a tale of two halves because it sounded like Nebraska absolutely they, Wisconsin could not stop Nebraska in the second half, but I, I watched Wisconsin barely beat some team missed a field goal, like a Utah State or something. It was early in the season. I'm like, oh my God, that's when they were struggling. They almost got beat by you and I. And it's hard for me to be enamored with where Wisconsin is right now. I think they're I think they've gotten better as the season's gone on. And you know, obviously the fact that they I think they threw seven times against Indiana just for fun. Uh, they didn't need to, but um, tells you that they have gotten better as the season's gone on. So I'll be honest with you, if I had my druthers, I, I watched the SEC game, I watched the Pac-12 championship game, or I watched the Big Ten. It's an interesting. If, if you want to know my true thoughts on that. Interesting dilemma for Iowa fans. It'll be like the hate index. Who do they hate more and they'll root for the other team. <laughs> let's um, let's go back. I just want to finish this conversation reflecting a little bit over the last few years here under Ference at Iowa. For most of the early part of the Ference era, the rule of thumb, if that's the right term, was that Kirk's teams got better as the season progressed and almost always had strong Novembers. He signed his 10-year contract extension before the 2010 season. And here's the results since that time. And I'll just give the totals here instead of the year-by-year breakdown, including bull wins and losses. In 2010, 2011, and so far in 2012, the overall record is 18 and 17. But the more problematic number is the record in the Big Ten. It's only 10 and 13. That's overall. And in the last five games of each one of those seasons, last four so far in 2012, the record in that period of time is only four and ten. That's really in stark contrast to earlier in his years here. Yeah, and that uh, that's 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 a telling statistic that I had not seen because the mo has been, and I think gets reiterated over and over again that that's an Iowa team. Uh, and you look at this season as being the exception, but that's you know we've been mired in some mediocrity, uh, and I, I hate to say a seven and four season or six and five seasons mediocrity when you play in the Big Ten, but considering that our first our non conference games aren't exactly hammers you got to put it in perspective and, and I think and the other thing you got to put in perspective is I think the Big Ten 
the last four or five years has been not anywhere near as strong as it has been historically or looks like it's going to be again in another year or two. So, you know, if we were ever to make hay, it would have been the last five or six years in the Big Ten. And, and um, just from 30,000 foot view, you would have to say you got programs like Minnesota, you got programs like Indiana, you know, programs like, you know, are going on the upside. Purdue is languishing, uh, Illinois is struggling with a new first year coach. But, you know, Iowa, in my opinion, this has been a, obviously a year when we've gone the wrong way. And, and, and especially, especially the way we've done it. The last five games has just been horrendous. I mean, it's just, it, it, at times you're not putting a, it's, it's, we're not putting a good product on the field. Uh, and that's disheartening to some extent. And, and, um, it is what it is and combination of reasons, I'm sure. But, uh, that's what off seasons are for. And, you know, it's time to definitely get after it and fix it. Kirk was also asked at his Tuesday press conference about his own confidence level in rebuilding the program again. And then I followed up that question and I asked him how he would characterize overall his talent level right now. I mean, if you look at a program, at least the three things that would be primary to me in terms of success, failure, or something in the middle is talent, execution, and coaching. Maybe I'm missing something, but that seems to be it. So if you were rating those three aspects of the current program right now, do you rate talent as the biggest issue maybe? Uh, No. No, it's a combination. It's a combination of all three, and they're all equally, in my opinion, they're all equally culpable in this and where we're at. So, uh, I mean, it, 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 you got to reboot. You know, sometimes you got to reboot, and, and uh, you know, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and you know, keep getting the same result. And um, you know, my biggest thing is, is it, it, you know, we've been fortunate. We go seven and four. We go to January one bowl games. That looks really, really good. But that's a seven and four season with two of the victories being against MAC teams or something else. So we're blessed from that standpoint at Iowa to have a platform that we have. And, you know, I, I go back and look and say, hey, when we had Dallas Clark, was he a big-time recruit? When we had Nate Kading, was he a big-time recruit? When we had Robert Gallery, did we know? Did we know Robert Gallery was going to be that? We've done it with guys. Brad Banks, did we know he was going to be superstar? You know, I know we don't get five-star recruits. I know we don't get four-star recruits. I don't think we want those guys. we got to get guys that fit the mold, fit what we're trying to do, and then put them in the position to be successful. You know, whether we've missed on that the last three or four years, we've had some attrition, some kids have left. We need a reboot, and that's what the great thing about off-seasons is, and, and you need to get after it. I mean, Iowa should take second to no one, with the exception of a Notre Dame, a Stanford, uh, you know, Northwestern, from an academic standpoint, from an institutional standpoint, point, we're a top 10 school. And, and we need to tell that story to, to 25 kids every year and get 25 kids that want to come here and be a part of this program. And if they don't, get them out. They ain't, they ain't meant for this thing. But when we do our best, we got guys that come here with a chip on their shoulder. They come here and they play 60 minutes every single game and they will fight you over every square inch. That's what Dallas Clark did. That's what Robert Gallery does. That's what Bob Sanders did. That's what Ed Hinkle does. That's what I did. Those are the guys you need. And if they ain't part of that, then don't even bring them on campus. But Iowa City is an asset. Kinnick Stadium, our fan base, what we've been able to accomplish. Forget the football stuff. Forget the, you know, we go to great bowl games because of our fans. 30,000. Kids want to come play in that environment, I'm telling you. They don't want to go to Maryland and play in front of 19,000. I mean, that's not fun. Fun's playing in front of a packed crowd when the Hell's Bells things goes off. People get jacked. The goosebumps start coming out. That's what we need. We need to get those kids on our campus. This is an asset. It's not a liability, okay? I know Michigan. I know Ohio State and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, we're every good bit as good as Manhattan, Kansas. We're every bit as good as Lawrence, Kansas. We're every bit as good as Lincoln, Nebraska, as far as a place that kids want to come and play football at. So let's get the kids here and let's start winning championships again and get after you play for a national championship. That's Every kid's dream should be to do that. And Iowa's got the tools and resources in place that we should be able to get that done periodically. Hey! Is this heaven? No. 
it's Iowa. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again this week to ESPN for the game highlights, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook this week and all season long. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.